Acts chapter number 12. So here in the book of Acts chapter number 12, I mean, the whole book of Acts is an exciting time because it talks about the church. It starts out as a sad time or, or kind of uh, kind of a sad time because Jesus has, has died on the cross, but he's also been resurrected and they're walking with the resurrected Savior there in chapter number one. But there's a lot of uncertainty that's going on. They're, they're without Christ or they're... They don't have Christ's presence with them directly, but he tells them to go and wait for the promise of the Father. And they go into the upper room and they pray. And uh, in Acts chapter number two, they were gathered together. They prayed and they received the Holy Spirit. And that, gave, and that empowered them to, give, to spread the gospel. You have uh, Peter praying or Peter preaching on the first day of Pentecost. He's out there and he's telling them that Jesus, whom you crucified, there's 3,000 that say, what do we do? 3,000 added to the church, and the church begins to explode. Can you imagine 3,000 people being added to the church in a single day? I mean, who had to write in the role for that? I don't know. But uh, the whole book of Acts is just exciting because there's so much that's going on. They get persecuted. There's people getting healed. There's the lame man that's walking. You know, Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. They're beginning to learn more and more about the gospel and what this really means, this gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul, Paul is persecuting them. He scatters them abroad. He said they were scattered abroad when everywhere preaching the word. I'm just telling you how exciting the book of Acts is. And then we have the missionary journeys and all that that takes place. Well, over here in chap- chapter number 12, and uh, chapter number 10 is where the first Gentile gets saved. And in chapter number 12, in chapter number 11, Peter, Peter tells the other Jews what had happened and, and explains to them how they received the Holy Spirit as they did at the beginning. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. I'm just trying to set the stage. But in chapter number 12, they have a problem. It says, now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And in our key verse here, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Let's pray. Amen. So there are times when we've prayed for prayer. I know there's times in my life when after it was answered, I look back and I said, you know, I think I prayed for that. <laughs> I think that's what I asked for. And it's, it, it's a time afterward. But there's a, a lot going on right now in that Peter has just been thrown in prison. And uh, they have a need. The church has a great need because Peter was the one that probably led most of them to the Lord. Peter was the one they looked up to. Peter, the apostle, they looked up to. James' brother and John has been beheaded, so it's not looking good for Peter. They're about to lose Peter to the chopping block. And there's a great need and a great concern in the church. In verse number five, it tells us, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So they had a need. As we trust God for our salvation, we should trust God for our every decision. Rome had corrupt politicians in those days. 
Uh, they were about as corrupt as they could get. You could bribe them. They could do what they wanted. They could enact whatever they wanted. It kind of sounds like America today. But there was a lot of corruptness in Rome in that day. But they weren't gathered around praying for the next governor. They weren't gathered around praying for the next whatever. They weren't gathered praying for Rome to change. Y'all follow me on that? They were praying for Peter. Now, we should pray for our leaders. The Bible tells us to. I don't want to rule that out. But I'm telling you, they had a very specific need. Peter was in prison. Rome punished the ministers of the gospel, but reform wasn't their concern. The early church seemed to turn to God at every turn throughout the book of Acts. In the beginning, when they had the opening left by Judas Iscariot, they prayed that God would help them to choose a replacement for him, and they chose Matthias. In the beginning of Acts chapter number 2, they were all gathered in one accord in in prayer on on the day of Pentecost, in corporate prayer. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see them turning to God in prayer. When Peter and John were put in the prison and they were beating and beaten and then they were released and they told them not to preach his gospel, first thing they did was they prayed to God and asked for power over there, I think in chapter number four, and God shook the place. And so at every turn, they turned to God in prayer. You know, we have problems nowadays where there's too many solutions around us sometimes. God may be the last one we turn to. We were looking at King Asa in Sunday school last week. You know, King Asa in the beginning, he turned to God for the first battle. But then later on in his life, he turned to man. He came up with his own solutions to things. And he turned to man all the way toward the end of his life. But we have too many solutions sometimes. They were praying together on the day of Pentecost. They were praying together in fellowship. Look at Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2, look at uh, verse 41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They were joined together in fellowship with God and in prayer. They were praying in the temple. Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were praying for power in the face of persecution. Stephen, when he was being stoned, you remember the martyr Stephen? Paul, Saul held the coats of those that stoned him. But when Stephen was there and they were throwing stones at him, he said, just like Jesus, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. As they stoned him to death, turning to God in prayer, And then Cornelius in Acts chapter number 10 had been praying to God for salvation. And God answered that prayer by talking to Peter. Peter was kind of hard-headed. The sheet came down from heaven and it had all manner of four-footed beasts and God was giving him a picture. He said, arise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, not so, Lord, because these were all unclean animals. There was some shrimp on there, maybe some lobster, I don't know. But they weren't allowed to eat all that, you know. Fortunately, we had that privilege. But he said, nothing unclean hath ever touched my lip. that lips. Those, those animals came down a few times. I know, y'all, y'all, we'll settle into the sermon here. Y'all ride with me a little bit. 
that sheet was let down and it convinced Peter as soon as, as soon as he came out of the vision, there were the Gentiles down there. He went with them and Cornelius was the first Gentile to get saved. The Holy Spirit came on him just like it did on them at the beginning. You imagine the prayer that went into that moment that he was the first Gentile to get saved, him and his family. He was praying to God. They had a concern in their prayer. You know, in our prayer life, we ought to have a concern. You know you can go through life without a concern for other people? Do you know that that's possible? Some of y'all may not think that's possible. It is possible to be so self-centered that you don't think of anyone else. You know how I know it? Because I'm an only child. Y'all are just sitting waiting for the punchline, aren't you? But, it, you know, it's a, it, it takes some effort on some people's part to have a concern for other people around them. You know, you know everybody's favorite subject is themselves. That's why I get up here and give illustration about myself all the time. <laughs> you, you ever want to get along with somebody you don't know, start asking them about themselves. I learned that a long time ago. Made a lot of friends that way. And you learn a lot. But they had a concern for Peter. They were afraid. Afraid of what would happen. Of what would happen to Peter. He was about to be killed. They were about to lose the apostle Peter. And it burdened them so bad. They were gathered in a prayer meeting. Look over at. uh, Look over at uh, verse number 12. This is after Peter gets out of prison. It says, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. I'm not going to read on further until we get to it. But they were gathered together and they were in prayer. They'd lost James, the brother of John. Some of them might have been praying in gratitude. You know, it said they prayed without ceasing, praying for a long time. A lot of times people just sit down, you know, good, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. A little irreverent prayer. Sometimes we just throw prayers out there. Do you ever just stop and just take that time to pray? Just, just take that time. They were praying all night. And as they prayed, I can only think of some of the things that may have driven those prayers. I can think of maybe some of the gratitude that they had for Peter. Somebody was, that, that one man, he said, I couldn't walk. I was lame from my mother's womb. And I sat there by the gate daily, Lord, as he, as he kneels down in prayer on his fresh legs. And I could see him in there in Mary's house, and he's praying, and he's there on his knees, and he's saying, I was sitting there outside the gate every day, and I had my hand out because I couldn't work, Lord. And you sent Peter and John that morning. They were faithful to go there. And then I remember, I remember those eyes when he looked at me, Lord. I remember him looking down at me and saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. From that day, Lord, I've been able to walk. Lord, please don't take Peter from us. Please don't take Peter from us. Someone else may have been praying out of gratitude. Lord, my mother was sick. Peter walked by and she was healed. And he told me about your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I was, I was bound for hell and didn't even know it. I was going to hell on a rocket sled. Peter came by and told me about Jesus Christ. About the other woman. 
Lord, I was possessed by a spirit. And, and they were using me. They were using me for prophecy, Lord. Peter came by and healed me. Release me from the spirit through the power of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, please don't take him from us. Please. It can't be done yet, Lord. Please. As in they're in there praying. Some of them were probably praying out of fear. Fear for Peter. What was going to happen to Peter? James had just been executed. Lord, please, please don't make him go through that. Lord, we've already lost James. Please don't let Peter go through that. You know, I think about prayers like that, and I think about the mother that prays for her son. I think about the, the father who prays for his daughter, and what, vice versa, whatever. But how many years, how many prayers go out over the years for their children as they see them struggle, as they see them go through trouble, and they're on their knees and they're praying, Lord, please save my son. Lord, please, please draw him close to you. Please don't let him die. Don't let him go to hell. Praying out of fear, and some may have been praying out of empathy. Lord, I've been in that prison. It's not a pleasant place to be. Lord, I remember when I was on that cold stone. I remember when I was in that humid air. And I remember being in that prison, and I remember those Roman soldiers striking me on the face. I remember them beating me. Lord, please protect Peter. Please don't make him go through that. Lord, when I got out and I was about to do the same thing again, Peter came along and he told me about your son. I realized I didn't have to go to hell. I realized I didn't have to live this life. I didn't have to struggle through it. And I've never been alone. Lord, please don't let Peter go. Please don't let them hurt him like I had to go through. Praying for him out of empathy. Some of them may have been worried about further persecution. They'd already been persecuted over in Acts chapter number 8. Saul had begun to persecute them. He scattered them abroad. There might have been fear of the further persecution that was going to take place. What are they going to do to us? What rule are they going to change? What thing are they going to use to trip us up? Who are they going to take from us next? If they take Peter, who's left? And then there was the failing to progress. Peter was the one who had pointed them to Jesus Christ. And Peter was the one that God had used with signs and wonders to point people to Christ. What was going to happen to the church if Peter wasn't there? There's other apostles, but they didn't know. They just knew that they were about to lose the man that had pointed them to Christ. And they felt like the gospel was going to stop. They didn't realize maybe. And I'm throwing a lot in here now. But they were afraid of what was going to happen. They were afraid of the progress of the gospel. Who's going to lead my son? Who's going to be there to lead my family to Christ? They didn't know that the answer might be them, but they didn't want to lose Peter. Now let's look at their prayer over verse number five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. It was a constant prayer. You know, there's, there's not too many constant prayers that I've had in my life. There's been times when I've set aside for the Lord. And I tell you, there's been times when I've been out on my face. I'm not good on my knees. <laughs> Get on my face and cry. And just, Lord, please help me through this. Lord, please carry me through the next thing. I can just imagine the tears as they just constantly prayed. I don't think there was... Breaking. I don't think there was fellowship. I don't think there was crackers and cookies. I think there was just honest to goodness turning to the Lord. One after another, 
praying for a very specific purpose. Their prayer was constant. Over in Mark chapter 9, verse number 28, you don't have to go there. I'll get you up to date on it. But there was a man whose son was possessed of demons, and he'd gone to the disciples, and they couldn't cast out the demons. And they go to Jesus, and Jesus says, Believe us out that I can. He said, I believe, Lord, help me thou mine, mine unbelief. And then he cast out the demon, and the, the apostles were, well, why? Lord, how, how come we couldn't do that? And he said, This kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. You know, there's some prayers that take, they're, they're answered right away. I told you last week I was kind of joking, but, you know, I, if I lose my keys and I'm running short, Lord, please help me find them. It's just a way of constantly being in prayer. It's not to be irreverent. And sometimes that prayer is answered right away. Oh, here it is. But then there's other prayers that just seem to take years. It just seem to drag on. You don't see an answer to it. Do you just give up? Do you just back off? Do you just say, oh, well, he didn't answer that? You know, there's, there's people that have prayed their whole life and somebody didn't get saved until their funeral. There's people that have prayed their whole life and, and then one day that friend comes up to them and says, yeah, this was going on and I gave my life to Christ. It was funny, I was on a, and, and, and unfortunately I wasn't the one praying for him, but I was on the Navy website, you know, they got the ships or whatever, reunion thing or whatever. But I had just kind of looked, peeked in there and somebody that I knew when I was in the Navy and he was praying for me that I would get saved. <laughs> this was the guy who was so drunk one morning. He came back to the ship early in the morning and he was so drunk that they actually called the paramedics onto the ship to check on him. And then when he opened his eyes, he said, Good grief, guys, where's the helicopter? And he was praying that I would know Christ. That might tell you something about my life in the Navy, but you just never know who's praying for you or who you're praying for that it's going to have an effect on their life. You put it in God's hands. You know, I, I, I've told you, I've, I've thought of this subject because seeing the news, seeing everything, it's, going, it's like you can't do anything about it. It makes you want to. Makes you want to join a side, whatever. And then you realize none of that matters. What matters is your walk with Jesus Christ. The world's going to do what the world's going to do. But it's your walk with Jesus Christ. God may ask you to step up. God may ask you to do something. But if your walk isn't right with Jesus Christ, none of that matters. You could get out there and change the entire world. It won't mean a thing to God in the end. Once, you, once they throw the dirt on you, it won't mean a thing to God except for, did you know my son? Depart from me, I never knew you. Somebody's been praying for you. They were praying as a group. Many of the prayers in the book of Acts are prayed as a group. There's a few of them where they prayed alone, but they were praying for somebody else. And then look at verse number five again. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. They prayed in a group unto God for him. They were praying to the right one. They were praying to the one who could answer their prayer. 
you know, that sounds like an easy thing, but we were talking this morning, you know, uh, AA or the 12 steps or something like that. It says you cry out to a higher power. You, you pray to a higher power. And I remember when I was young and, and going to Alateen because my stepdad at the time was having trouble. And I went to a couple of the Alateen meetings and they said, you know, you, the higher power, that could be anything. You, you, even if you're praying to your toilet. And I thought, man, that's praying to your toilet. Well, that's just nasty. But people pray to all kinds of things, but they're not praying to the one that can help them. Crying out to God. It's like I said, it sounds easy when we're sitting in here in church, but there's a lot of people that are praying just to pray. There's a lot of people that think, well, praying just makes me feel better. Who are you praying to? Are you praying to God? When they gathered in the upper room, picked Judas, let's see. Prayer was made without ceasing, and then the prayers were concrete. They had a purpose for being there, and their prayers were for Peter. You know, a lot of times our prayers can be so general that we'll never know if they're answered. And, you know, I, I talked about uh, the praying for world peace. A funny thing happened this week between Israel, the Arab Emirates, and, the, you know, a little bit of peace. It scares me a little. I won't go into it, you know. It just seems like we're, all, we're we keep rolling toward revelation. But if your prayers aren't specific, a lot of people don't pray specifically because they don't specifically expect God to answer their prayer. I was reading Ian e. Bounds, and he talked about, you know, when you want an answer to your prayer, when you're, I don't know if y'all can follow me on this. Not because it's complicated, just because of me. But when you expect an answer to your prayer, you have faith that God's going to answer it. The little kid goes up to his mom and says, I want some candy because he knows that mom can buy the candy. He knows that she has the power to. He doesn't go to this person over, well, in the right place. You don't go to the other people. You go to your mom to buy you the candy or your dad or your mom. Sometimes dad, I guess, for the little girls. But uh, to, to buy the candy. But you're going to the one that can answer it. And you're praying a specific prayer. And when you pray specifically and when you keep track of it, and this is just practical, if you keep a prayer journal and you write them down, you can go back and, man, the Lord answered that one. The Lord answered that one. That's just practical. So we should expect an answer to our prayers. Look what happened when they prayed. I'm just going to go over this real quick because this is a whole other sermon, but let's look at what happened. Verse number six, when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out. 
and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. <clears throat> what happened to Peter? A long time ago I saw this. I, I look for pictures in the Bible. I love pictures in the Bible. And when I saw Peter there sitting in that prison and bound by two chains and surrounded by 16 soldiers, I just thought about the sinner that was bound up in sin. I just thought about the sinner locked up in that prison, in that dirty, filthy prison that was dark. And then the light came on when they were told about Jesus Christ and they saw the light. It's just a picture that I saw, and I've preached it. But when their prayer, Peter arose quickly. There was an awakening Many a sleeping Peter needs to be awakened, and many a Peter bound in chains needs to be freed. This kindling of cold hearts, this freeing of fettered lives will not come until we get into vital touch with God by prayer. We need an awakening. It's a result of prayer. When we pray for people, there's an awakening. When we pray for someone specific, we're praying for God to touch their lives. He was bound up and imprisoned by sin, condemned to death, seeing the light, putting on the robes of righteousness, standing and the chains falling off, and then walking of his own accord through the doors. That's just a picture. But the results of prayer. And look what happened in verse number 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many gathered together praying. So the first thing he does is go to a prayer meeting. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, I'm going to slow down here so you can picture this. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in. So Peter's out there knocking on the gate and Rhoda comes to the gate. Peter, it's you. And she goes inside, and I just see Peter out there. <laughs> he just walked past the soldiers. I'm sorry. But she was just so happy that she goes inside. And when she goes inside, the ones that are praying for Peter, the ones that have been there all night on their knees, and the ones that have been saying, Lord, please don't take him from us. Lord, please don't take him from us. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Verse 15, and they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. Okay, so you saw Peter. But I guess he's passed on. That had to be his angel at the door. He was surrounded by soldiers when we saw him. And nobody we know could overcome the whole prison to get Peter out of there. But, uh, and then they said it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. I could just see that. I'm sorry to give you the picture. <laughs> and, but Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. There's their answered prayer right in front of their eyes. And they're astonished it was answered. I'm not criticizing them. I thought about this because I weighed it out. I said, well, that church, the Church of Acts, they would have a lot of faith. They've seen people get healed. They've seen miracles take place. And then I thought back to the gospel. 
And I thought back to the disciples there on the beach or the disciples there and seeing the feeding of the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes and seeing the miracle that took place there and seeing the other miracles that took place. And Jesus goes up into a mountain part to play and he tells them to pray and he tells them to roll onto the other side. They get out there and that storm starts to get boisterous. The wind and the waves are going against them. They're out there in the middle of the water and Jesus sees them out there rowing hard, but they're not getting anywhere. And he walks out on the water to them. And they didn't understand it then. They thought they'd seen a spirit then. It's not hard for me to understand that that sometimes faith is a little hard for people. But I imagine their faith was a lot stronger once they knew what God was capable of. In our own prayer life, are we expecting an answer? Or are we just throwing prayers out because that's on the list for being a Christian? Praying, reading your Bible, that's all on the list. You got to make sure that happens, make sure that happens, right? But imagine, and I know some of you already know it, but imagine praying, knowing that God answered. I got to get to this because it's, I found an illustration. And you remember me telling you about George Muller of Bristol, who took care of the orphanages, who had three volumes of books of answered prayer, who, who I'm told that all the, of all the people that he prayed for, only three were lost when he passed away, and two of them got saved at his funeral and one shortly after. This was from a boat captain. It was, it, he was captain in a ship that George Muller was riding on. He said, we, we had George Muller of Bristol on board, said the captain. I'd been on the bridge for 24 hours and never left it. And George Muller came to me and said, Captain, I've come to tell you I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. It's impossible, I said. Then very well, if your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. He said, I looked, at, I looked at the man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum can that man have come from? For I never heard of such a thing as this. Mr. Muller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? He'd been fighting against the fog all night. No, he replied, my eyes not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. When he had finished, I was going to pray, but he had put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. He said, as you do not believe, he will not answer. And as I believe he has, there is no need whatever for you to pray about it. Can you imagine that night? He said, he has, and there is no need whatever for you to pray about it. I looked at him and George Muller said, Captain... I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day when I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door. You'll find the fog is gone. He said, I got up, and the fog indeed was gone. And on that Saturday afternoon, George, George Muller kept his promised engagement. Imagine that kind of faith, and imagine that kind of power with God. And, and yet... We, we're afraid to, to pray for our very needs. We're afraid to pray for answers. 
we're afraid to pray for souls sometimes because we're afraid we'll get a no. Why do people pray and not expect an answer? I'm sure they were expecting some kind of answer, but they weren't expecting Peter to just walk out of prison scot-free. Maybe they were expecting to hear that Herod had called it off. Maybe they were expecting something in answer to their prayer, but they sure weren't expecting Peter at the door. They had a legitimate concern. They were interceding on Peter's behalf. They were praying to God, the one who could answer. They were gathered together. They prayed corporately, but they couldn't believe that it was Peter at the door. Some of the reasons people have trouble are lack of faith. You just haven't kept track of what God's actually done for you. You know, part of praying is thanking God and showing gratitude for what he has done for you. When you begin to recount those things, when you begin to say, Lord, you helped me through this. Lord, I remember this. And you begin to look back and you start to realize what God has carried you through. And those prayers that you didn't expect an answer to that you remember and you recount that. Then the prayer that you have in front of you, it just doesn't seem that impossible after all because you know that God has already taken care of them. Lack of vision. Some people get caught up on the fact that they can't come up with a solution on their own. Oh, they give God the credit, but they line it up. Well, you know, maybe the grocer will have extra groceries, bring them over to the house. I don't know. I'll tell you this little story. When we, when we were in... Georgia, we just moved into this pastorum. I wasn't a pastor, but they let us live there because we were practically homeless. But Caleb's sitting there with Didi. I, I guess I was off to work. I was off somewhere. But Caleb's sitting there with Didi. We barely got furniture in the house. He said, uh, I want some snacks. And she's like, well, I think we got some crackers in there or something. He was just little now. He wasn't a big punk he is now. <laughs> but he, he, he said, I, I want a snack. And... Uh, she said, well, I think we got some crackers. He said, no, I, I, I think I'd like a Debbie cake. And she said, well, you're going to have to deal with crackers or, or we, don't, we don't have the money to get the Debbie cake. You know, we had the gas station across. We don't have the money to go over there. And uh, she said, if you really want that, you're going to have to pray for it. And they prayed together. And, you know, and, and I still have trouble with it, but I, I believe it. I know it happened. Brother Manning, one of the deacons at uh, Leefield, he showed up at the door. I think it was his nephew that drove one of the trucks. He had leftover stock, some of the day-old stuff, and he brought a bag over. He said, I thought you might could use it. It was a bag of Debbie cakes. <laughs> I know y'all think I'm putting on, but uh, it's like, man, I got, Caleb, I got some things I need you to pray for. Lack of vision. You know, you waste your time trying to figure out how God's going to solve it. It's just knowing that God will solve it. George Muller, he didn't sit there and say, well, God's going to bring a stiff wind. He's going to blow the fall and the temperature and the humidity and all this and then blah, blah, blah. He just said, when you go out there, Captain, the fog is going to be gone. I'd like to get there by Saturday. So when you pray, are you expecting an answer? You know, there are times and there are few when God says no. Well, I promise you, there's one prayer God will never say no to. And that's asking the Lord to save you. 
Do you know that you know that you know him? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. You say, well, I, you know, I'm pretty good. I'll get into heaven. The Bible says all of sin to come short of the glory of God. You say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just take my chances in front of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's an eternity of death. And then there's that little clause in there that says, but, but. And every one of our lives hinge on that but. Every one of our eternities hinge on that little three-letter word, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? While she plays...